Since the bonus two-man game inside. Domas, dominant. Dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid. And he got some dog in. And the steal. They can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And coming to you live from Golden One Center right after the Sacramento Kings won a very exciting game against their division. I don't know if rivals is the right word, but division opponents, they share the Pacific Division. I don't know if division being in the same division really means anything, to be honest. I guess you get a nice little division banner if you come out on top, which it looks like, based on this victory, that Sacramento is going to do that. I thought that this game was a great representation of the Sacramento season as a whole. They played atrocious defense, they being Sacramento in that first half. Like, actually some of the worst defense I feel like I've seen from them. They managed to give up 67 points to Phoenix in that first half, and 42 of those came in the paint. Something Mike Brown highlighted post-game, that's on pace for 84 points in the paint. Like, you give up 60, that's an issue. They were on pace for 84, and Devin Booker and Chris Paul were getting whatever they wanted. At halftime, Devin Booker had 15 points, three assists on five of seven from the field. He got to the free throw line five different times, and Chris Paul just tore tore them up by setting up his teammates. Only six points, but he had 11 assists, while Sacramento as a whole only had 14 at halftime. And that very much stood out to me. And, you know, Chris Paul getting those assists led to Jock Lawndale ending the half with 14 points. Terrence Ross ending the half with 12. And to be honest, I thought that Keegan Murray did a pretty bad job on Devin Booker, and that might be putting it kindly. To be expected somewhat, though. We've seen that in the past. We've seen that, you know, you come into tonight knowing this is the fourth time that these teams have gone head-to-head. And Sacramento had won the most recent game but dropped the first two in each one of these matchups we had seen Keegan Murray assigned to Devin Booker and it hasn't really gone well on any of them. But like I asked coach the other day at practice and I probably could have pulled that clip, but didn't end up doing so, you know, we're just throwing Keegan into the fire pretty much is what he said. It's extremely important for his long-term development and the entire team's long-term development for him to grow on that end of the floor and be able to cover those type of matchups. He thinks with his length and, and, agility that he should be able to cover those type of matchups. I don't think he's there yet. Obviously, a lot of it comes down to discipline, right? In the first 30 seconds, Keegan had fouled Devin Booker and sent him to the free throw line. He got his second foul on Book at the 930 mark of that first quarter, and then they went to Kessler Edwards right away. Kessler got two fouls by the end of the first quarter as well. And 18 of Phoenix's 24 first quarter points had come in the paint. The other six came from the free throw line. So again, admittedly atrocious defense from the Kings. Zero points from three in that first half, in that first quarter, excuse me, from Phoenix, which very much stood out. And second half, again, like it was poor defense. I'm sorry, the second quarter, poor defense. And Sacramento's offense wasn't really going for them either. They did okay. They did enough to keep it close, right? 56 points. But when you're a team that is typically on pace for 120-something plus, that's 
not exactly what you're hoping for. I will say I thought that De'Aaron Fox was maybe settling a little bit for jumpers, one of six from three in that first half, which stands out. But I didn't exactly hate many of the shots that he took. Maybe there was one or two where you would have liked to see him attempt to get downhill a little bit more and try to make plays for his teammates from there. But I didn't have too much of an issue with it, really. Um, And then everything changed in that second half. I I went into halftime feeling like, man, this this is horrible. This might be, like I said, the worst half of defense that we've seen from Sacramento. And at the same time, you could look at the score and be like, okay, they're down 11 and they're the most, they're the best offense of all time when it comes to offensive rating. This is by far a game that they are out of. They are totally still within reach in this one and you saw it, but I was really impressed with the way that they were able to turn it on in that third quarter. The third quarter was ridiculous from Sacramento's point of view. Kevin Herter caught fire in the best way possible like he does he just came back from injury today right Popletus Popletus Matt Popletus all right Popletus is that right but yeah all right Matt George is not helpful all right Popletus come here I don't need you to talk to talk to me about your guy Keegan Murray what about him what's going on here why are you bad mouthing what you, because he was horrible on defense. He's Let's be honest. Devin Book- Don't let this guy turn what was an amazing night into an anti-Keegan Murray campaign. That's not actually I what he's I just have said. to point it out. No, he's he's right. Keegan struggled, but I think we talked about this a little bit after the game, though. And I'm going to talk about this on Locked on Kings tonight, shameless plug. Um, I think he needs to go through it. Like, yes. trial by fire. Like, throw him in. And I think the play- in the playoffs... Out of the starting five, he's going to get targeted. If he stays the starting five in the starting five, which you will, he's going to get targeted and put up a shut up type thing. And I think Harrison proved tonight that if Keegan's not going to be that guy, okay, Harrison, your number has to be called. So, and Harrison proved that he can take that on. Absolutely. That's where it was going. Uh, Matt George of Locked On Kings podcast. Appreciate you. Be nice to Keegan. I am nice to Keegan. Just critical in a fair way, in my mind. He was reasonably pulled. Uh, what? two and a half minutes into that first quarter. But that was leading to the point that Matt George got to there, that really Harrison Barnes was the one that kind of changed that game on the defensive end. You know, he came in and contained Devin Booker in a way that I wasn't really sure Harrison Barnes actually could do. In that second half, also De'Aaron Fox, excuse me, by the way, was the one assigned to Chris Paul from the jump. I thought he did an okay job. But really, in that second half, when Davion Mitchell was placed on Chris Paul and when Harrison Barnes was placed on Devin Booker, the game changed. And I think that all the weak side rotations and just everybody playing on a string absolutely did make a difference. But specifically, those two guys were extremely impressive to me. And I actually have a quote from from Mike Brown here that I'm going to play. And by the way, throughout the course of this episode, you're going to hear quotes from Harrison Barnes, defensive player of the game, by the way. Harrison Barnes got the chain and everything. He came out to post game and didn't have the chain on, which is disappointing, but very typical Harrison Barnes. Uh, you're going to hear quotes from Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Coach Brown. So here is the Coach Brown quote that I have about the defense that he really did see from Davion Mitchell and Harrison Barnes in this game. 
Coach, in that second half, we saw a lot of HB and Davion on Phoenix's backcourt. Just how much of how much importance was their um, attention to detail, dis- discipline, and physicality? Davion can guard you know, almost anybody. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to shut them down. But when when Davion's guarding somebody, you're going you're going to have to work. And and Davion brings a sense of physicality to. Uh, every possession defensively where he, he does it with his chest. He does it the right way. And, uh, and H is a, is a, is a vet that's guarded everybody in this league multiple times. So he's got a good feel for positioning and guys moves and all those other things. And he's long as well. And so to throw those two guys on Chris Paul and, and, and book, uh, was something that we needed to do because Book was kind of having his way with everybody. I thought Kessler did a nice job on, on Book, too. Again, you're not stopping a guy like that, but to be able to throw multiple bodies uh, at Book to hopefully to where hopefully he doesn't get a rhythm uh, was necessary, and so we did move those two around a lot in the second half. Definitely, and I thought they did an absolutely phenomenal job, as as Coach said there. I thought the defense player of the game chain was kind of a toss-up between the two, but I thought they both played phenomenally, and also, obviously, De'Aaron Fox was not out there. He checked out about his normal time in that third quarter, I think the six-something mark, something around there, and I went back and watched kind of the two, three minutes prior to that uh, once we realized he was no longer on the bench, and it turns out it was right hamstring soreness. And went back and watched those last couple minutes, and there's no standout like moment where he got hurt. You know, he was actually still doing some pretty athletic plays. It wasn't long after there was the the flop from CP where HB or where De'Aaron did kind of have his hand on his hip, but then CP three totally flew backwards, and then De'Aaron had a very um he he very much expressed his his frustration with that and kind of acted out the move that CP did. Right. And, and you saw that. And then not long after De'Aaron had this really nice baseline drive where he had a reverse finish that he ended up finishing with the left. So he still looked spry and everything when he was out there, but then you saw the coaching staff come up to him. I saw they showed this on the broadcast after the fact and say, Hey, we're going to go and kind of check out your hamstring. And we did get an upgrade update from Mike Brown post game. He said that he ran into Monty McNair and that Monty told him that De'Aaron really wanted to go back out there, but they had to kind of stop him from doing that. So to me, that's extremely good news. That means, in my mind, that this is all precautionary. Nobody sounded overly concerned, but we will have to wait and see kind of what the update is. It'll be interesting to see what the decision is for him tomorrow, as the Kings will be playing the Utah Jazz. So we'll see what the decision is there. I wouldn't mind holding De'Aaron out. I mean, I think at this point, I believe it's nine games left, including tomorrow until the postseason starts or the end of the regular season, I should say. You play it safe. Like, you need De'Aaron in these games, and I think playing it safe absolutely makes sense as the way to go. One thing I do want to talk about, which, actually, real quick, let's get to this third quarter because Kevin Herter was ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. 16 points in the third quarter alone for Kevin Herter. He ends the night with 29 points on 10 of 18 from the field, 6 of 12 from 3, and also an underrated aspect, 9 rebounds 
and five assists. He also had a steal and a block. If you'll remember that block that he had, that he gets his own board after that block, dribbles up the court and takes a semi-transition three. Nobody else touched the ball. He was pulling that, and you could tell he was pulling that. Confident, let it fly, and it goes down. Kevin Herter, in the games that he's been available recently, has been on a heater, man. And he just has these quarters or these six-minute stretches where he's just unconscious. It is absolutely ridiculous how well this guy has played in the recent stretch of games. So not including tonight's game. In the eight games that he had played prior to, we're not going to count the Brooklyn game where he got injured, right? But the eight games he had played prior to that Brooklyn game, 19.8 points on, and by the way, 3.6 assists and only 2.3 rebounds, but 19.8 points on 57% from the field, 56.1% from three on 7.1 attempts per game and 80% from the free throw line on just under two attempts per game. But obviously continues that into the night with his 29-point performance, which is just absolutely ridiculous from Red Velvet. This is the third time this season that he scored at least that much. He did have a 30-point game against Utah, actually. I think that was the one where he ended up hitting the game winner in Golden 1 Center earlier this year. So we'll see how he does against the Jazz tomorrow night. But just a ridiculous third quarter from Kevin Herter, man. And I think that the Kings also do a great job as a team recognizing when he's on a heater and getting him the ball. Um, as, as Megan said, Kevin Heater. I absolutely agree, Meg. But I think his teammates do a phenomenal job of recognizing when he's on one and feeding him. You know, and I think they all love that moment just as much as Kevin does. And DeMontis Sabonis and Kevin Herter are just a dream pairing, man. I I forget who had said it, what pod it was on. I want to say that it was probably the Low Post, which I will say is my favorite podcast, by the way. I I listen to every single Low Post. I think that Zach Lowe is a absolutely phenomenal uh, NBA journalist where he talked about how Kevin Herter, I think that he actually had Kevin Herter on the low post now that I'm remembering this. And Kevin talked about how he shares an agent with Doug McDermott, right? And when he got traded to Sacramento, that he talked to Doug McDermott and McDermott was just talking about how you are going to love playing with DeMontis Sabonis. He is going to get you an open three or find you on a cut to the basket if somebody is overplaying you. And that's exactly what we've seen happening, man. Their two-man game, the way that Kevin is able to shoot off movement is phenomenal. Shout out to uh, Polo here, I guess, for saying like and subscribe. And Polo also asks that, or says that there was a full house tonight. How rocking was the building tonight, especially during that run? I am going to get that. At, I actually have two different quotes here. Matt George was very much asking questions about how people felt about the energy in the building. I, I think that I have quotes from both Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herger. So I promise we are going to get to that in a little while here. But just to finish up the conversation on Kevin Herger, not only his movement shooting, this is absolutely ridiculous and a perfect pairing with DeMontis Sabonis, but it's the little things, right? Coach has been on him about rebounding and him and Malik that when they are on that weak side and and DeMontis Sabonis is engaged in help defense and pick and roll defense, that it's their job to sink in and make sure to put a body on the opposing big and go and grab those boards. And he did just that tonight. Nine rebounds is great from Kevin Herter. That's actually the most rebounds he's grabbed in a game this season. And then you look at the five assists 
that he had as well. He was doing everything out there, and I, I, it's an extremely, extremely impressive performance from Kevin Herter. He almost had a double-double as Victor in the chat points out here. So I, I thought that it was just a great showing from Kevin Herter. He did everything, filled up the statue, and like the crowd feeds off it, man. It, there's nothing quite like watching Kevin Herter catch fire. I guess there is. There's, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox's fourth quarters and things like that, but I loved what I love watching those Kevin Herter moments. It's it's fun. You could tell that the crowd loves it. The team loves it. Like I said, everybody does a great job finding him and feeding him to keep the fire lit in those moments when you can see that little spark, they throw some wood on and they get that ignited. So I think that that was absolutely great there. And I mentioned the importance of splitting this season series and that uh, that's something that Harrison Barnes touched on as well. So, so here is Harrison's thoughts on just the importance of splitting this season series with the Phoenix Suns, also given the caliber of opponent that they are. How much did it matter to you to, to split this season series for, for you and your team? It was big. I think um, sometimes, you know, the psyche of a team, you start looking at, um, you know, teams that have been to the finals, top teams in the league, whatever it may be, and how you're figuring it against them. So, you know, I think for us, just anytime you're playing uh, a team that has had playoff success, um, a team that is, has been where you're trying to go, um, it's important. And with whoever's playing uh, for us to, you know, win the series. Especially when you're playing with that uh, team with that sort of level of playoff experience and success. Absolutely agreed. I honestly didn't expect them to have too much of a reaction to winning the season series. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, they got asked about, like, oh, what's going to be your reaction to clenching at practice or shoot around? And the reaction's kind of just like, you know, they've they've known that they're going to clench and, like, you know, a lot of people will point to like the 50 game mark. If you could win 50 games, like that's a mark that some people will chase because that's the sign of a really freaking good team. But they didn't care all too much about clinching. It was more of we're just going to try to win every single game and focus on it one game at a time. So I was a little surprised to hear them acknowledge like splitting the season series is something that's important. But I absolutely understand why. The other thing I want to touch on, I mentioned that De'Aaron was unavailable here and it sounds like it's optimistic what it what it will be it just sounds like it's right hamstring soreness and that he wanted to get back out there meaning that he was feeling good so we'll see his status for tomorrow but obviously as you go into the closing minutes the clutch minutes in this game when De'Aaron Fox is right up there for that Jerry West clutch player of the year award you start to wonder or I was going into it saying like okay what's going to be the move here because with no Fox, your offense late in the game is just give the ball to De'Aaron and get out of the way. That's pretty much what it is. So it's like, okay, what's what's going to be the move here? And it ended up being going with Harrison Barnes primarily. Just posting him up, finding the right matchup, posting him up, and he was cooking. He had two or three possessions in a row where he either got a bucket or got to the line and was able to convert when he got there. Phenomenal, phenomenal close from Harrison Barnes, the vet. And Kevin did. Kevin Herter did get asked about closing the game without De'Aaron Fox, and here was his response. 
when De'Aaron goes down there and he's usually your closer in these close games, how what did it mean to you to see Harrison step up in the way that he did there? Yeah, we just yeah you know, we were looking for matchups. Uh, I didn't know Fox went out, and uh, yeah, he came out for his regular thing in the third quarter and didn't realize he was out of the game. And um, yeah, they tried to go small there at the end of the game. Um, we had to exploit matchups. You know, we, we felt like we had good matchups with Domas getting him in the post and with HB and just forcing them to double and allowing other guys to get going. Yeah, that's what you absolutely saw, you know, just taking advantage of matchups. The Phoenix Suns did go with a pretty small lineup, while the Kings had Davion Mitchell, Ke- Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, DeMontis Sabonis. On the other end, Phoenix went with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Torrey Craig, Terrence Ross, and TJ Warren. When TJ Warren is your tallest guy out there, that is probably a sign that you know you should that that's probably something that you should look to take advantage of and we saw them do that both with DeMontis Sabonis I thought on the boards but specifically with Harrison Barnes and it's funny that like I don't even have in my notes to talk about Sabonis but he put up a casual 27 9 and 9 and like I didn't even feel it to be honest it's just like it's what Domas does and that speaks to his greatness you could say that so many times this season Somebody asked, by the way, what time do they kick you out of the arena? I have no clue. I think there's been days that uh, I know people have left here like one. And I don't know. We we get to be here for a little while, I guess, because some people are doing work pretty late. And Meg also asked, by the way, so do the Kings have the tiebreaker versus the Suns if we stay a better record? Um, if If they managed to somehow end up with the same record, which seems very unlikely, by the way, now that was another big aspect of tonight is that it becomes practically not impossible, but the Kings, it would have to be a major choke job from the Kings to fall down to four. The closest is the Clippers now that are at five and a half, but Phoenix is at six games behind and how it works. If, if you have the same record, the next tiebreaker would be your division record. And actually there was a point where Phoenix's division record was phenomenal, but apparently they've dropped a few recently because they're now at nine and five and Sacramento is at nine and six. So technically Phoenix does still have that tiebreaker if teams were to end with the same record, but you'll have to see what else ends up happening in those division games between both of these teams. And then after that, I believe it goes to conference record. So that is the difference when it comes to tiebreaker, but I don't think we're in a scenario where Sacramento will be in any sort of uh, tiebreaker with that team. Also worth noting, they're again two games behind the Memphis Grizzlies that are currently sitting in the two seed, and it it's possible that Sacramento could catch them, but Memphis is on a five-game winning streak. Memphis is rolling a lot more than I thought they would, and not necessarily the John Morant thing, but I thought that losing Steven Adams... And and who knows when he's going to be back. I think that's a very big question mark for their team. And then also Brandon Clark was a pretty big thing that maybe wasn't being talked about enough. But they've really figured out how to win without Steven Adams. And and the reason I thought that was big is because Steven Adams is, I believe, leading the league in offensive rebounds. Sacramento fans will remember how much Steven Adams just cooked them on the offensive glass the last time those teams played and he was available. And physicality and kind of bullying people is such a big aspect of the identity of those Memphis Grizzlies. So getting you no not having Steven Adams, it's obviously a big part of that, I thought would affect them a lot more. And it did for a bit, but they've clearly figured that out, which by the way is a reason that in my mind, Taylor Jenkins 
is probably up there for coach of the year as well. I, I still think that Mike Brown deserves to be a favorite, but there are good arguments for other people as well. And, and Taylor Jenkins is definitely the standout. And I think Mark Dagenal, I don't, I'm probably saying that wrong. I will admit is somebody that stands out as well. But I think that in my mind, Taylor Jenkins is going to be the other one kind of going head to head with him. And maybe Joe Missoula ends up reentering the conversation. We will see. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan. Even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Shots now streaming. Yes! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Dust that. Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. But what do I want to hit on next year? Um, I think it's also worth pointing out that Phoenix was not very good shooting the ball. Terrence Ross went 6 of 10 from 3. The rest of Phoenix was 3 of 19. I know that Phoenix isn't a great 3-point shooting team, and they don't shoot an amazing amount, but that is still not exactly what you expect from a team. Typically they actually do shoot 37% from three, but only 32 of them a game. Yeah. Tonight, 31% on 29. So typically they would get uh, a little bit more production than that. And obviously this team is going to be very different when they have Kevin Durant, man. Like if you fall down the way that you did or, or kind of, you're not going to be able to have that same absurd third quarter that Sacramento did tonight where they win that, specific quarter coming out of the half 45 to 26 you're not going to be able to do that with Kevin Durant out there I know that's not news to anybody but I think it's just important to keep in mind the next thing that I want to get to here is the crowd man the crowd is phenomenal in here in that third quarter this place is loud man there's people on on media row all looking at each other like Jesus Christ it is loud in here, and I'm telling you, it's been loud all year, man. I, I can't help but always think back to this random weekday game against the Detroit Pistons, right? And maybe that game has a little bit more edge because it's Marvin Bagley's return to Sacramento, but I don't know that people are buying tickets for that specific reason, right? But that game does kind of go down to the wire, or it's a close game, at least down the stretch. And this building was freaking loud on a weekday against the Detroit Pistons, one of the worst teams in the league. So you can only imagine what it was like tonight, Friday night against the Phoenix Suns who just traded for Kevin Durant and no Kevin Durant, obviously, but this is a team that was just in the Western Conference Finals not long ago and really a team that Sacramento could end up seeing in the postseason. More likely than not, they would be seeing them in the... Let me see here as I try to get this straight. I'm pretty sure they'd be seeing them in the Western Conference Finals if they got there, which I don't know exactly that I feel great about that. So that's where we'd be at. But this is a team that, you know, when you're we're talking about a 3-4 matchup, 
I, I think that that is an extremely big game coming into this one. And they all but lock up the division title, by the way. In the Pacific Division, the LA Clippers are five and a half games behind the Sacramento Kings. Um, and the Golden State Warriors and Phoenix Suns are both six games behind with the Los Angeles Lakers seven and a half games behind. So we might get a division champion banner in Golden One Center. I'm trying to look around to see if there's any others in here and where they would hang. But I do think that there's a banner for being a division champion, which is, I don't know, kind of funny to me. And I don't think anybody's like, I don't know if there's a ceremony to raise a division banner or anything. I don't know if there should be either, but I guess it's cool to have one in there. It is still definitely an accomplishment for this team that has not seen the 16, the playoffs in 16 years. 16, man. 16 is absolutely ridiculous. But I want to get to the crowd. And again, big shout out to Matt George for making sure to to get these questions in. But we'll start with Harrison Barnes because he's the first one to talk about just how much this golden one crowd really stands out to him. Harrison, you've experienced this crowd for a while now, but during that run, the the volume level in the golden one center and that atmosphere, can you speak on that and how much of an impact that had on energizing that run? It was huge. I mean, I think every single night, um, you know, we have some of the best fans in the league and they're waiting to get involved in the game. You know, I think we, we do ourselves a disservice, especially at home by taking the air out of the arena, you know, with, with our play. So, I thought definitely in the second half we gave them something to, to cheer for. And then in return, they gave us something uh, they were harder for. So it was great. Just got pointed out in the chat here by Benjamin that the division banners are up near the grand entrance. Anybody watching on YouTube, I'm going to attempt to show you here because I did find it. All right. Let's see. All right. There it is. So we got one from 2002, 2003 and one from 2001 and 2002. And as I attempt to peek over this edge, that's it. So it's going to be the third Pacific Division banner. And anybody watching on or listening to just the audio format, I guess that's not great content, but you can watch on the YouTube side to get a little bit of a shitty angle, but a little peek at those division banners. So I guess when it's just your third one, that's not half bad. So that was Harrison Barnes talking about how amazing the crowd was tonight. I also have a clip here from Kevin Herter talking about it. Kevin, first off, what felt better, the block or the transition three on the end of it? Transition three to kind of seal the deal, for sure. You already mentioned the crowd a little bit, but how, when you're going on a run like that and the energy level, the volume is getting to that level, how much of an impact does that have on continuing a run in, in basketball? It is. It's huge. You, know, the, you can use the crowd as a weapon, uh, especially when you're on a run like that. The building gets going. Other teams might tighten up. Um, so you, you try to keep that momentum going and, and we did that third. It just felt like, you know, it was a continuous run. I'm not sure what the breakdown was, but you know, we went from down 12 to, to up 10 and a lot of that felt like it all happened at once. So, uh, they're huge in that span. There's also a quote, by the way, saying that you can use the crowd as a weapon is pretty badass. And I mean, it, it feels true in here, man. It, it's absolutely phenomenal. The environment in this building is just so amazing. As Harrison said, they're just waiting to kind of explode. And you give them something to cheer for, and then the the Kings will kind of pay it back. And it, it's been phenomenal. There was also an amazing quote from Mike Brown asked about the crowd, but I didn't want to steal every single bit of Matt George's questions post game, So 
I'm sure that that he's got that in his in his Locked On Kings podcast as well. So check that out if you're curious to hear Matt George's or um, Mike Brown's answer about sort of the environment in this building as well. Talking about how he's been telling people this is a this is a playoff atmosphere. Now, as I start to close out here, before I get to some, we'll see if I got any random closing thoughts. Uh, if anybody in the chat has any questions they want to throw my way, now would be the time to do it before I get out of here. I do want to give a shout out to Chemezi Metsu. I want to make sure to acknowledge his his good play. His start of that fourth quarter I thought was great. He had two really big finishes. He had a lefty poster on someone. He had another good finish I'm trying to think of. And I think he also had a steal that led to a transition take foul, if I'm remembering correctly. And whenever you're getting positive minutes while DeMontis Sabonis is on the floor, when you're getting really good backup center minutes, that that's a great thing for the Sacramento Kings team, man. So it, it's just phenomenal to see. I, I thought that Mezzi played great. I guess I need to give out a pulse performer. I need to be doing this more often and, and remember to be doing so. I'm going to go. I don't know if it's lame to just give it to the same person that got the defensive player of the game chain. I'm going to get it to give it to Davion, man. I think that him stepping up and, you know, he's required to play some minutes, obviously, when De'Aaron Fox is unavailable. He, he kind of has to be that guy. I guess he could go with Malik Monk, but Malik wasn't having it tonight. Just wasn't kind of great. He was getting absolutely picked on by Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I think both of those guys would have just targeted him easily. But I thought that Davion did a great job. You know, he's not doing too much on the offensive end recently, which I think was was great. And defensively, man, I think that his physicality was just so important for this team. I think physicality in general has been a big theme for this team recently. And it was very much lacking in that first half. But then in the second half, you you definitely can feel the difference there. And a little shout out to Kessler Edwards there as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that that was great. Polo asks, uh, what day do we clench? I think that the magic number coming in today was three, but I don't know. I'm honestly not someone who tracks that amazingly. That would be a question that I bet you Frankie Cardicelli would know. He's typically the guy that I would ask. I wonder if I could text him and see if he'll get back to me. What's the magic number now? We'll see if he gets back to me. But I think that they're going to end up clenching probably when they're in Portland. I do not think that there's a way for them to do it tomorrow night against the Jazz. Frankie says two, I believe. Oh, so it could happen at home against Minnesota. That would be interesting. I would love for it to happen at home, man. I think that that's the way that the players appreciate you, Alex. And what's up, Alex? And I appreciate you, Benjamin, as well. You guys are quick with that, by the way. Um, Mike said it's two. Okay, got you. Not not Coach Mike, by the way. A different Mike. So if it's two, man, I guess that means that it could happen against Minnesota. And that would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. I would love for it to happen at home in Golden One Center. Just for Scott Milk to get on the PA and announce that. And so hear this crowd going crazy. I- I'd love to experience that. And I think... It would be an awesome moment for the players to get to experience that as well because 
they get asked a lot about the postseason drought, about ending it, about, you know, the fan base and everything they've been through, but they weren't here for it. You know, that's something De'Aaron pointed out. Like, sure, De'Aaron's been here six years. Harrison's been here, what, four or five. But Mike Brown just came from a championship. Luke Laux just came from Phoenix. It was making deep postseason runs. Who else do we have here? Jordy Fernandez just came from the Denver Nuggets making postseason runs. You have Kevin Herter that just came from Atlanta. Domas has a couple playoff bursts, first round exits with the Indiana Pacers, you know, so not all of these guys are, none of them really have this, this drought attached to them personally, but they hear about it. They understand it. And they know that that is a very much a thing for this fan base and for this city. But I think feeling it, with the entire crowd here would be very different. I think that that would be a moment for them to really experience and appreciate that. And honestly, I think the same for me, as I'm sure most of you are aware, like I didn't grow up around the Kings. I am, you know, I think that Marvin's first year, so it's only been about five years for me and I got a little taste of it. And there were moments where I, it almost, you could just feel the doom and gloom. It was very Kang's like you were just always expecting this team to to fuck it up. And they figured it out, man. They figured it out. We'll see how far they can take them because, again, this first half was horrible. Like, I do not want to understate how bad it was. And it's impressive they've been able to bounce back. But you cannot do this kind of BS in the postseason teams will put you away. If this team has Kevin Durant, you lose that game straight up. You can't mess around like that in the postseason. I, I really don't think so. And that is what it is. Um, Alex fix here says that Brennan, if we win Monday, I'm going to drop some playoff shirts. Ooh. And going to send you a care package for all the coverage you've done. I appreciate you, Alex. That would be dope, man. I would very much appreciate that. And if you drop shirts, let me know. And obviously, I'll help push those. That would be dope. I appreciate you, Alex. Um, I think that's all I got, guys. I'm really tired. Came here this morning for a shoot-around about 1045. And then stuck around around 11 to also to also uh, then watch the Stockton Kings final game where they clinched the one seed, by the way, headed into the postseason. And against the, shit, Mexico City Capitales, Capitales, I believe it is, with Kenneth Farid and Scalabissier. And who else is on that team? Um, Gary Clark and Mason Jones which is interesting. It was a really good game from Namias Keita. I thought that Keon Ellis played well defensively, although he was a little unhappy with his, with his field goal percentage post game and, and got to have some good conversation with, with both of those two way guys and Bobby Jackson post game that I plan on writing up and also got some thoughts on Mike Brown as well from Mike Brown about that game here in Golden One Center that he witnessed from Stockton because Mike Brown was watching. You noticed a couple different players watching. At one point, Terrence Davis was out there, saw Davion Mitchell, Chemezi Metsu. A lot of the coaching staff was out there as well watching. So um not going to dive too much into that today or, or really into that at all today, except for what I just said. But Stockton been playing great. Capitanis. Appreciate you, Meg. Um, and 
but yes, I, I do plan on kind of writing all that up and putting that up on the Kings here. Excuse me on the 26th, but I've been here all day, man. I've been here since 1045 after that game, kind of just hung out in Doko when I got some coffee at Temple. Temple is great, by the way. Temple Coffee. Um, Frankie, by the way, with a little update here, shout out Frankie Cardicelli, Sackdown Sports 1140. If the Kings win tomorrow and Minnesota loses on Sunday, they clinch on an off day. That would be freaking lame. Can't clinch on an off day. Although I will say, you clinch on an off day, and then you still get a home day, a home game right after, you could still get that like celebration in the stadium, you know? So I guess you'd still get to experience it, but winning at home. So I guess what we're rooting for is that Sacramento wins tomorrow and then Minnesota wins their next game against the Golden State Warriors. And then I believe how it would work is that Sacramento would clinch if they beat Minnesota on the 27th. So let me check here. Let me check here. Let me see if I can call Frank. Let me see if I can call Frank. We'll see how this goes. We'll see if this uh, this uh, this guy will pick up for me. Frank, I'm recording an episode and using your information. Can I put you on speaker as a phone a friend for this magic number? Okay. Got Frankie Cardicelli here. Old man of Sackdown Sports 1140. So, Frank, old man, it's just the facts. You talk about yourself like you're old. The old man former, like, I'm, come on. You talk about yourself that way. That's not my fault. Well, 28 the new 58. Yeah, whatever you need to tell yourself. So, okay, if the, you said if the Kings win tomorrow and Minnesota loses Sunday, they clinch on an off day, right? So does, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what it looks like because Minnesota owns the tiebreaker. Um and they're, I think Kings are seven and a half up right now. So a win tomorrow puts an eight up, but Minnesota has eight games left. So that's kind of where we're at. So does that mean if Sacramento wins tomorrow and then Minnesota loses their game against the Warriors, that the Kings would clinch by winning against Minnesota on Monday? No, I mean, they'd already be it. I mean, mathematically, if, if the Kings win tomorrow, they're eight up on Minnesota. And Minnesota only has eight games left. And if Minnesota loses... Okay, so sorry, sorry. If Minnesota wins their game, Sacramento wins tomorrow, and then Minnesota wins their game against Golden State, would it be a clinch still, when they play each other? Well, it's, it's still it's still be over. If the Kings win tomorrow, no matter... I, I'm pretty... I mean, let me think. If they win tomorrow, they're up eight. But if Minnesota... I think if they win tomorrow, they're good. If they lose... If they win tomorrow, I don't know. It's, it's where I'm confused. Mike told me, one of our guys told me that the Kings can't clinch tomorrow with a win. But I'm, I'm adding it up the same way you are right now. And it seems like if they win, they're mathematically good either way because they own the tiebreaker over the Lakers. And if they beat, if they beat Utah tomorrow, they take an eight-game lead with eight games left over Minnesota. So I'm not really sure how it doesn't translate to a clinch, but that's what he told me. Is that kind of the mix up you're seeing too? I think so. I mean, honestly, I like am so confused with all this math that I honestly don't even bother trying and just leave it to you guys to tell me what the magic number is. Here's, here's an easy, if, you, if you guys just follow NBA communications on Twitter, and I, I, I have the uh, notifications on for it, 
they send a tweet every morning with like a, it's simple. It'll just say Memphis can clinch tonight with a win or a loss in the scenarios. Tomorrow morning, they'll either give a scenario for the Kings or they won't. But okay. I feel like, I feel like everyone right now is trying to, and maybe someone out there knows better than I do. And I don't doubt that at all because I'm an idiot. Well, <laughs> I, I think that everyone's kind of trying to let map out these scenarios, but the scenario I was, I was given tonight was, if the Kings win tomorrow, then it's going to lose on Sunday, they're in. But gotcha. I still feel like that, there are some questions with that, and I don't really understand. Because also, the Lakers, I know the Kings on the tiebreak from the Lakers, but I think the Lakers have the same record as Minnesota right now. So that's also confusing to me. Um, gotcha. So yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you trying. It's way better effort than I have. Last question for you. Anything notable in locker room? Uh, no. I mean, pretty quick. Uh, sounds like no one's too concerned about Fox, which is good news. And um, that's also good to hear that he tried to go back in the game and play. But the bonus didn't seem concerned. He seemed like he was ready. The uh, bonus was ready to get after tomorrow, obviously. That guy's ready for anything. Uh, Davion, you know, is a man of a very few words. So he kept <laughs> a short tweet. But, um, you know, the Kings of the depth to sustain it. I mean, I think Fox, if, if the Kings are going to clinch it, it's it's as good time as any for him to kind of go through a minor injury. I mean, if you get to choose a time, this would be the ideal scenario late in the season with the Kings about to clinch. So, um, not great, but no, I mean, I think the guys feel good and uh, hopefully tomorrow they can, you know, like we said, unofficially, maybe kind of sort of clinch, like as close to maybe clinching as we're going to get, especially if they're going to clinch on an off day. That kind of sucks, but, uh, excited to get back there tomorrow, man. Excited to see you and, you know, be around our other friends that are, Definitely older. I'm not an old man. Brendan. You're not an old not man. Old. You're not an old man. I'm just giving you a hard time. Well, I appreciate you, Frank. Get home safe, man. Appreciate you guys. Are you still in the arena? Yeah, I'm just wrapping up this recording. So. Oh, I just left. I could have given you a ride. You're, You're good. Right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I appreciate you. But, all, all right. right. I'm going to finish right. this, man. Appreciate you. All right. Night, guys. Night. Hopefully that audio came out okay. Meg, you said, who does this? I don't know if you're talking about me holding a phone up to a microphone. If that sounded like absolute shit then my apologies, guys. My apologies, if that's the case. Uh, but Frankie gave a little bit of insight there on his perspective on what the magic number is. And apparently just follow NBA communications is the answer. Um, but yeah, that that's all I got here, guys. The Kings do play the Utah Jazz tomorrow, which is a good time to try and be able to bounce back after an extremely poor performance just a couple days ago against the Utah Jazz in Utah, where they just got lit up by freaking Ochai Abaji and Chris Dunn, and we're giving that team wherever they whatever they wanted. He sounds like he's yelling at clouds. That's just kind of how, how Frank sounds sometimes. But I hope the audio quality was okay, at least. But I appreciate you guys. Um, that's going to do it for me. You'll hear from me again tomorrow. I, I know that I've said it before, but um, I've got my shit together now. And these will be after every single every single game, home or away. So I appreciate you guys hopping in here. That's going to do it for me. Actually, one, one last thing I want to say is big shout out to the other Ele- Sacktown Sports 1140 guy, my guy Chris Watkins, who had his first uh, four-hour show today that he hosted. Because Deuce and Mo were here calling the G League game in Golden One Center, uh, Chris was on a four-hour show with Kyle Draper today on Sackdown Sports 1140, 
I heard bits and pieces. Heard he absolutely killed it. They had Kid Kendrick Perkins on there as well, which is a big guess for Chris. He also did a four-hour show yesterday with Deuce, but Deuce is kind of the one hosting that day and driving the ship. So, you know, today's a little different, but back-to-back four-hour shows for my guy and and happy for him that he's getting some more opportunity here. And I think you might be hearing a little bit more from him just as a little sneak peek. So we'll, you'll see there. But big shouts out to my guy, Chris Watkins. It's at Chris M. Watkins, by the way, on Twitter. So he could use a couple more followers in my mind. And, and he's coming up more and more in this business. So extremely happy for my guy. But that's all I got here, guys. Definitely be sure to... Uh, Melissa said, by the way, that they did amazing. Chris asked great questions, and I like his segues. No more Judas energy playoffs only. Are you the Judas guy on Twitter? You're one of my favorite people, just so you know. I know that you're on my ass if I ever say anything negative, but I love how quick you are with your Judas tweets. They are so freaking funny to me. So keep it up, man. I, I think that you are freaking hilarious. Um, that That's going to do it, though, for me, guys. So I appreciate you guys listening. This We'll be doing the same thing again tomorrow maybe i can get chris or someone to join me but we'll see no promises and definitely check take a look at the king's herald to support local independent king's coverage and take a look at their patreon in order to do just that um all the great guys and gals there are doing so much to provide content for you guys in this amazing season and i'm just as happy for them as i am for the rest of this fan base that they finally get to cover a good team but that's going to do it guys i appreciate everybody that's been here And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and hear from me again in the next couple days.